Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 28 of Hidden Wings and Bloodlust. So, as I was thinking about what to do for today's episode, it did occur to me that although I've mentioned it here and there in various episodes, I haven't really explained in depth what a ladybird is. Now, this might seem a bit weird or a bit obvious, and I bet some of you are sat there thinking, of course you know what a ladybird is, but do you? Do you really? In this episode, I'm going to explain how a insect is deemed to be a ladybird and the system of taxonomy that is used to categorise ladybirds and other insects. So, all the way back in 1776, the Swedish naturalist Carl Linnaeus designed a system for categorising the natural world. Linnaeus was a zoologist, botanist and physician, as well as being a taxonomist. And I do have to put a bit of a explanation here, because I do think it needs to be acknowledged. Linnaeus was, quote, the man who created a classification system for plants and animals and established conventions for naming organisms that became universally accepted in the scientific world. But now, elements of his work are intentionally or not recognised as being racist. This is a quote of a paper out of the shadow of Linnaeus acknowledging their existence and seeking to challenge racist practices in Swedish educational settings. What is less celebrated in Sweden is that Linnaeus was also a pioneer in defining the concept of race as applied to humans. In Homo sapiens, he proposed four taxa or categories, Americanus, Asiaticus, Africanus and Europeanus, based on place of origin at first and later skin colour. The article goes on to say, over time, this classification was used by many European countries to validate their conquering or subjugation of members of the lower races, the lower in inverted commas. In particular, the invented concept of race was used to enforce slavery, particularly in the New World European colonies and also as a basis for ethnic cleansing in 1930s Europe. As I said, I mentioned this because I think it is important to acknowledge racism in science and history and the damage that it can do. And as a white person, it is important to acknowledge my privilege and the fact that as a historical figure, to you, you might just think it is just a scientist that lived a long time ago and made some interesting discoveries. But unintentionally or, or not, there's a sort of debate about this. The concepts that he sort of popularised did a huge amount of damage. And there is some debate about whether he was personally racist or whether he was just ignorant. Regardless of which, some of those who sort of followed on and developed these ideas that he had definitely were. And this actually seems a good time to recommend a podcast. And I know this is a departure from my usual recommendations. But I want to recommend the Blood and Turf podcast, which goes quite deeply into the intersection of transphobia and fascism, as well as racism, homophobia and other elements within the far right and supposed 
trans-exclusionary radical feminism. I'm not trans myself, but as a member of the LGBT community, this is something I feel quite strongly about. And m and E have done a great deal of research into creating a shocking, informative, but entertaining podcast. So check it out. So although Linnaeus is known today as the father of taxonomy, taxonomy as a science have moved on considerably from when he was alive. Modern taxonomists group species into classifications based on morphological, genetic, chemical and behavioural characteristics, including those new to science. And in the last 250 years, taxonomists have described around 1.78 million species of living organism in total. And this includes bacteria, plants, archaea, which is another form of uh, single-celled organism, originally thought to be bacteria but it's actually a different a different type of organism animals and fungi and the real number is between 5 and 30 million so what about ladybirds so ladybirds belong to the domain eukarya which means that they are multi-celled organisms as opposed to the other two domains archaea and bacteria they belong to the kingdom animalia in other words, they're able to eat organic material, they're able to move around, reproduce sexually, excrete and respire, plus a few other things, but I think I've covered the main ones. Within the animal kingdom, ladybirds belong to the phylum Arthropoda. This means that they've got a segmented body plan and jointed limbs with an exoskeleton. So if you imagine a ladybird or a, a woodlouse or something like that you know that it has a head and then it's got a abdomen and for if it's an insect will have a head abdomen and thorax other species will have different body plans but they have this sort of segmented anatomy so they've got an exoskeleton which means they're hard on the outside and it covers all of their internal organs inside protects them and within this group, they belong to the class Insecta. In other words, they've got three pairs of legs, two antennae, compound eyes and a three-part body consisting of the head, abdomen and thorax. The thorax is the uh, bit between the head and the abdomen and it contains the sort of base of the legs plus uh, a lot of internal organs and, and so on. And... They also have compound eyes, and if you don't know what that is, I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of a fly and its eye showing that the eye contains thousands of tiny pictures, and that creates a whole image which the fly is able to, to view, and it will be the same for a ladybird. The ladybirds are in the order Coleoptera, and this means beetles. Now, it might actually be a little bit hard to remember that ladybirds are beetles because uh, beetles sometimes have a bit of a bad reputation. Like, a lot of people see them as somewhat different. But every beetle has an outer pair of wings, which are hardened, and usually a particularly hard exoskeleton. The outer pair of wings is called the elytra, and a single wing from that pair is called an elytron. And... Beetles also go through what's called complete metamorphosis, which means they will first be in a larval form and then they will 
go to a pupil stage and then they will emerge from the pupa as an adult. And this is very much in common with things like butterflies, moths and so on have, have this uh, this life cycle. But if you look at shield bugs, when they hatch out, they're exactly the same sort of form as they will be when they're an adult. They, they just need to develop their wings and they largely look the same. And as a matter of fact, so do aphids. So the outer pair of wings on a beetle is called the elytra and a single wing from that pair is called an elytron. And beetles comprise around 40% of all insects and 25% of all species on Earth. And of course, ladybirds are in the family Cochinellidae. Cochinella or Cochinella. I don't really know how to pronounce it. The originally meant red. And you might remember that there's actually a certain type of dye called cochineal, and that was commonly used in sort of ancient Egypt and biblical times and that sort of thing. And you make that dye through crushing a type of red scale insect. But don't worry, although the name might sound a little bit similar, it's got no relation to ladybird, and it's still used to dye clothes, makeup and food. And the word just comes from a similar root, and I just thought it was quite interesting from a linguistic sort of standpoint. On a recent episode of the UK Wildlife Podcast, Neil Phillips interviewed Helen Roy, who runs the UK Ladybird Survey, and she gave quite a succinct view of what a ladybird is. According to her, a ladybird is, quote, a small to medium-sized beetle, which is often quite round, with 11 segments to their antennae. It's got four toes which are known as tarsi, at the end of their legs. And you can see that if you get to examine the ladybird in detail with a microscope. So it's got really nothing to do with spots or necessarily the shape of the ladybird or any of that. There are some ladybirds like Coxedula rufa, which don't necessarily first appear to have the ladybird shape. They're quite sort of long and elongated. should also be mentioned that the antennae of a ladybird usually form a club shape at the end. Helen goes on to say in the podcast that there are a number of inconspicuous ladybirds that are quite small, they're often brown and hairy. She gives examples of a few of these, such as Nephus quadrimaculatus, which has got four spots, but you can only see these spots if you examine it up close. I did actually find this ladybird in Perryvale Wood once, and I'll do an episode on it at some point. But basically... If you find a beetle, it's small or medium-sized, so the smallest probably around the size of a full stop, and it's round, and in some parts of the world it can gap to sort of over one or even two centimetres, and you look around at this beetle that you've got, and it's got other features such as clubbed antennae, short legs, and so on, then If you really can't tell and you've got access to something like a microscope or a really good camera and you look at it more closely and then you see that it's got the four toes and the 11 segments on its antennae, if it has all of this, then it is probably safe to say that you've found a ladybird. And I'm sure I've said before that there is around 
6,000 species of ladybird in the world. A species is a collection of organisms that are close enough genetically that they're able to breed. They might not look exactly similar, but they're the same species. So, for example, the harlequin ladybird is famously varied. There are several different forms of it, some with no spots, some with black spots, some pale brown, some completely black, some black and red, and, and so on. You'll get this as well with the two-spot and the ten-spot, which are other well-known examples. On the other hand, the twice-stabbed ladybug in America and the kidney-spot almost look the same, but they're different species. Same with Rhizobius latura and Rhizobius chrysomaloides, which are very hard to tell apart except if you've got a microscope. And then there's also the seven-spot and the scarce seven-spot, they're also famously hard to tell apart unless you view the underside of the ladybird and take into account its habitat as well. The, the scarce seven spot, for instance, has four white patches underneath its legs. The seven spot has got two. And if the ladybird is running, then you might not actually be able to see either. So the Cochinellidae family is split up into several different subfamilies. According to the Wikipedia page, there is now eight of them, but scientists only used to view that there was three or four. And these include Chilocoronae, which include the kidney spot ladybird, the pine ladybird, and others that have got a very rounded shape, feed on scale insects as a huge part of their diet, and so on. There's also Skimnanae, which comprises some of the inconspicuous ladybirds like Skimnis interruptus and some of the others. Cochinella nae, which includes seven spots and the main brightly coloured ladybirds we're all familiar with. And then there's Epilachnanae, which comprises plant-eating ladybirds. There's also a few others I'm not even going to try and pronounce. It's just impossible. You can also subdivide these subfamilies further into what's called tribes. So Cochinellinae has got Cochinellini, Tythaspidini, and plus a few other ones like Halzini for the orange ladybird and the 22-spot ladybird and other mildew feeders. It's also got a few others like Discotamini, and maybe those ladybirds like to go clubbing to 1970s disco music or something. Your guess is as good as mine. So once you've subdivided it from the tribes, you get to the genus. And this is important because the first part of the Latin name is the genus and the second name is the species. So, for example, Coccinella septimpunctata, or for humans, Homo sapiens, or for dogs, Canis familiaris. You also sometimes get subspecies within a species. So if you want to make it clear you're talking about seven spots we've discussed before in Honshu that have got those strange breeding habits that I talked about a few episodes ago. You would talk about Cochinella septimpuntata brookie. And as far as the genus goes, everything in the genus is descended from a common ancestor. So in the case of the seven spot Cochinella septimpunctata, there are 11 species in that genus aside from the seven spot including the 11-spot, the 9-spot, and so on. They've all got certain characteristics in common. Most Cochinella species have either got a red or orange colouring on the elytra. 
So something else you might hear mentioned sometimes is related to usually the Harlequins, but it does apply to others as well. So in certain discussions on ladybirds in Facebook or any group that's sort of dedicated to talking about ladybirds, you might occasionally see people saying, I found a Harlequin form Saxonia or F dot Saxonia or form Spectabilis or whatever it is. The colour forms of the different ladybirds aren't necessarily different subspecies, but they've got different scientific names. So if you say, I found Harmonia axiridis form Saxonia, you'll know that it's orange or red with a large number of spots and it includes two shoulder spots. The famous M marking that the Harlequins have on the pronotum and so on. You'll also see it with two spots or other sorts of ladybirds. So you might get someone saying, I found a two spot form annulata, meaning that the spots on the two spots are more like lines. Or you might say, I found sex maculata, meaning that the two spot is actually black with six red spots. But if you hear someone saying, I found a melanic form of a ladybird, it means a black ladybird. And it's often used when the black form isn't always the form that you usually see, or maybe you do see it, but not but not always. So, for example, you wouldn't say, if you found a pine ladybird, you wouldn't say a melanic ladybird, because it usually is black anyway. You would say, you would just, yeah, I mean, it, it, so it would be like, I found a melanic two spot, a melanic ten spot, or whatever. I do know that this episode is a bit dry and boring compared to some of the others, but it did strike me that if I did do a podcast about ladybirds, it would have helped by now to explain to have explained what they were. And so I I hope you find this useful. The other thing I'd say is that because ladybirds are very well known as being distasteful to eat and in some cases being toxic, many other organisms have evolved to imitate their appearance to avoid being eaten. So it does sort of help to know what ladybirds aren't as well as what they are. For example, there's the false ladybird, Endomycus coccineus, I think, which very, very much resembles a ladybird. The larva looks like a seven-spot larva, even. They've done a very good sort of... um, I guess, impersonation of seven spot or a, or a brightly coloured ladybird. They even sort of complete the look by giving out a distasteful chemical when they're disturbed. So this Endomycus coccineus beetle, the false ladybird, has got four black spots and a bright red background. It's got black underneath. It's a very, very striking looking black and red beetle. But the only problem is, it is not a ladybird. It's much flatter than a ladybird and the antennae have got a different number of segments and they're much longer than a usual ladybird. They're part of a group of beetles called the handsome fungus beetles and they are related to the ladybird family but only distantly. I am going to do a whole episode on them at some point as although it's not a ladybird, it's still a really interesting beetle to talk about. 
Other creatures that imitate ladybirds include various types of shield bugs, including the firebug, Pyrochorus apterus, which eats seeds from lime trees and it's sort of black and red colour. There's also, quite sinisterly, a type of leaf beetle called the acacia leaf beetle, which can be a serious pest, and it does look very much like a ladybird. And if you sort of pay attention to a lot of conservation-type charities, and especially one called Back from the Brink, which has talked quite a lot about this spider, there's a very rare spider called the ladybird spider, and that's only found in a handful of nature reserves, including the RSPB on reserve in Dorset and if you've listened to some of the other podcasts out there and sort of paid any attention to the RSPB's sort of literature about it all, you'll probably have heard of the spider and it's so called because the male has got a bright red body covered in black spots there's also another type of spider I don't remember the name of it right now which is slightly more common not as rare as the UK's ladybird spider and that also resembles a ladybird So I really hope this sort of demystifies what a ladybird is and some of the scientific terminology that can be used, which is a bit bewildering. I know, I haven't got most of these scientific names right myself and I am actually still learning, so if I've got something wrong, then do get in touch with me. I've got an announcement, like, before we wrap up the show. I'm actually currently fundraising for a charity in Canada called... W-A-V-A-W, which is WAVAW, I think. And it supports victims of rape and sexual violence, not just in Canada, but around the world. And if you've been paying attention to recent events in the UK, I'm sure you'll agree that this is more important than ever. And my next podcast episode will be in support of them. And I'll also do a bonus episode. And the episode will be announced in their sort of programme of live streams and other events which will be announced sort of um, during the week. And if you want to donate, the link is https donate.tiltify.com slash at Hidden Wings and Bloodlust Waval Fundraising. And your support will be very much appreciated. I'll just put the link in the show notes as well. So thank you so much for listening to the episode. If you like the show and want to support me, you can buy me a coffee at Kofi. The link is in the show notes, along with all the sources I've used in the show. You can follow me on Twitter at HWAB Podcast or like my Facebook page, Hidden Wings and Bloodlust. You can also follow me on Instagram at 365.ladybird. Music at the start of the show is by Deborah Torrance. Thanks for listening and I will see you next time. Bye for now. <laughs>